We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Hope you are doing well. My name is Mark, um, as, as Pastor Lance said. Uh, this is sort of, well, let me, let me start. My wife and I now serve as the lead pastors at, uh, at Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. Uh, we're up on the north, north end of the city, and if you're ever in Spokane, uh, come and hang out with us on a Sunday morning. If you come another day of the week, we probably won't be there. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a blessing to be here. It's, it's a little weird for me because it's kind of like coming back home because whether you realize it or not, whether you recognize it or not, uh, this church was instrumental. This church was, was, was the initiator, was the birthing place, was the launching pad for Sozo Church in Spokane. So you all are our sending church, whether you like it or not. Um, I think sometimes you like it and sometimes not so much. Uh, but uh, we're excited. Um, just, just by way of, of reminder and introduction for some of you, um, I, I am married, believe it or not. Um, I don't always, I don't always uh, deserve my wife, but she stuck with me because she married me when she was too young to know she could do better. So I think we've got a picture of my wife and my kids. Uh, that's us. Uh, that's my son to the left, Malachi, my wife, Ty, our youngest daughter, uh, Valencia, and my oldest, Adoniah. They are uh, 16, 12, and 20, respectively, or right around there. Uh, we love them. They, they keep our lives filled. Uh, thankfully, because of the, the, the grace of God and the goodness of their mother, they all love Jesus and the church. So uh, that's a good thing for a church planter. Um, I, I want to go ahead and jump in this morning. I, I know we're, we're, we're kind of we're kind of pressed for time, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this quick. Um, it's always a little a little weird. I'm just just being honest with y'all. It's, it's always a little weird preaching at somebody else's church. It's kind of like talking to somebody else's family, right? It's it's like it's like you're stepping into somebody else's living room and being asked to to share with somebody else's family. And the the reason why that's difficult, the reason why that's interesting, is because uh, families have cultures and cultures have languages. Like your family talks different than other people's families. Your family responds different, says different things, communicates different. So like in my family, when I was a, when I was a child, uh, when I was a kid, my dad was a pilot, he was a pilot for Continental, commercial airline pilot. And so do you wanna know a weird thing about my family? My, my, in my house, nobody ever, none of my friends, nobody that we ever knew ever came over to my house and crashed. They might spend the night, they might stay a while, nobody ever crashed in my house. Because that word was just off limits in our house. Because we didn't talk that way. We didn't say certain things. Culture has language. Culture creates its own dialogue, its own words, its own phrases. If you don't know this, just try to talk to somebody 20 years younger than you and see if you can understand more than half of what they say. I'm about 40 years old. I still think I'm 20 until I hang out with 20 year olds and then I'm like, nope, I'm 40. Cause it's like 8.30 and I wanna go to bed. <laughs> I was hanging out with my sister the other day. I, I come from a large family, I have four brothers and two sisters. I was talking to my oldest sister and we were, we were at a, a get together with our family and we were kind of all hanging out and we both kind of looked at each other and we kind of wandered off to the corner, we were catching up. She lives down in Houston and she was up in Spokane visiting and uh, we were kind of talking and, and, and she made this remark, I thought it was awesome. She goes, isn't it funny how when we were kids, we used to sneak out of the house to go to parties 
And now that we're adults, we want to sneak out of parties and go back home. I, said, I love you, sister. It's, it's, we know each other. We love each other. Language is important, though. And, and, and the, the issue with language is if we don't define terms, then we rob them of their ability to communicate and their ability to impart any kind of meaning into our life. So this morning, I want to talk about maybe one of the most simple phrases inside of Christendom, inside of churchianity, inside of this subculture, this counterculture that we're a part of. What I want to do is I want to talk about what the heck does it mean when we say that somebody is saved? This is near and dear to my heart because uh, despite what some of y'all might think, uh, the name of our church is Sozo, not Zoso. We're fans of the Bible, not Led Zeppelin. Um, Anybody under the age of like 40 has no idea the joke I just made and you need to go home. <laughs> a little band in the 70s, look them up. Uh, or don't, whatever you wanna do. I'm not gonna tell you how to live your life. I thought that was your job. I know it is a little bit, but not as it relates to what you should listen to. Um, Sozo, the word sozo literally means salvation. It's, it's a Bible word, it's a biblical word that, that, that is, is most often translated in the New Testament, salvation, or to save. When Jesus said he came to, to, to seek and to save that which was lost, that word in Greek is sozo. So salvation's a big deal to me, being, be, being understanding, having an understanding of salvation's a big deal. What do we mean when we say somebody is saved? What do we mean when we say salvation? Do we mean go to church? Do we, mean, do we mean catch religion? Do we mean change political parties? Do we mean moral improvement? Do we mean behavior modification? Oh, no, 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 we mean, we mean we don't have to go to hell. Or we mean, no, 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 we get to go to heaven. Here's what I wanna say. Salvation may include some or all of those things, but that is, a, that is an absolutely insufficient definition of what salvation really is. So if you've got a Bible, we love the Bible here, amen? I, Lance told me you guys love the Bible. Is your pastor a liar? Who loves the Bible? Okay. Uh, I was talking to your men. I had the, had the honor to, to speak at the men's uh, camp out, and I was, I was telling them, I'd like to let people know this now. Uh, for those of you unaware, the Bible is now available in printed form. Um, I... I I used to tell people, man, one of the best sounds I hear every, every week is the sound of the wrinkling and the ruffling of the pages of the Word of God in the house of God. I don't hear that anymore. Now I have to say, I like seeing the glow of the Word of God on people's faces as they stare into their phones. If you got a Bible, uh, let, let's, let's quickly go to, to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 16. 2 Corinthians 5, 16. I'm going to read out of the ESV. If you've got a, a phone or a tablet or one of those things and you want to switch to that version, it might be a little bit easier to follow along. If you've got a paper Bible, that's one thing they can't do. Can't switch versions. Uh, Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 16. Can we do one thing for me? I know this is weird, and I'm sorry, but can we stand for the reading of God's word? Uh, Y'all do that here? Cool. See, it's like kind of like being at home. Uh, here's why I have you stand for the reading of God's word. I just like making unchurched people uncomfortable. No, I'm kidding. Uh, that just happens naturally. Um, no. The reason why we stand for the reading of God's word is to show honor and respect for what we're about to hear. If you know me at all, you know you're about to hear a lot, but what we're about to read, what we're about to hear, we believe is the living, active, breathing word of God. Sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide between what you think and what God says, 
able to, able to divide between feelings and the eternal part of you that God placed within you. In a day and age where every single thing in our world seems to shift and change at the whim, how many of you are grateful that we have a rock that we can build our lives on? So we stand, come on, not to make you uncomfortable, not to make you feel weird, not to be religious. We stand to show honor and respect, reverence and holiness to the word of God, which we are about to read. This is the word of the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5, 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. God making his plea through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Church, will you pray with me this morning? Holy Spirit, we thank you. Come on, pray with me. We thank you, Jesus, for your word. God, thank you that it is, that it is what you say it is. It, it is able to cut through the fog and the noise and the chaos and the confusion and the opinions, and it's able to be delivered right to us. And so we, we come to your word desperate and hungry this morning, believing that you prepare a table before us even in the presence of our enemies, God. And so we come hungry to your table. And we ask, God, that you would lay before us the feast of what it is you would say to us today. God, that you would speak in the midst of this moment. That you would give us ears to hear what you say, hearts to receive what you say, and feet, God, capable and able, filled with faith, empowered by your grace to walk in obedience to what it is you would say to us this morning. Let us not just be hearers of the word, let us be doers of the word. Let us not think that just because we showed up church service, tuned in online, stopped for a moment on Facebook as we were scrolling through and we heard the ramblings of a preacher that somehow we did something spiritually significant. No, God, we want to be doers of your word. We want to be transformed. We want to leave this place different than we walked in. We want to tune out different than when we tuned in. And we want to do this, Lord, for the good of all people and for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Come on, everybody said? High five somebody real fast and grab a seat. Amen, amen. Amen. Okay. we're going to jump in here. If you're taking notes this morning, I hope you are. I want to talk to you this morning under the title, under the heading, Behold the New. Behold the new, how Jesus, come on, changes everything. How Jesus changes everything. Now, now before I can really get to this, just, just we, we got to get to know each other a little bit. I, 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 am, I am just a very simple preacher. 
That's what I do. That's what I've been called to do. That's what I do. I just preach the gospel, just preach the word of God. So, so my norm is to just preach through books of the Bible. So it's always a little weird for me when I go visit somebody else, go visit another church, and I have to just preach one little text. So I need to give us a little bit, if you'll let me, can I have just a little bit of room to give us a little bit of context? How many of you know, uh, without the context, the text doesn't make any sense? Like, like I'm, not, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna talk about the worship team. Um, I walked into the green room just before service, walked in there and they were talking about like leprechauns and like ghouls and things. And I was like, I walked into a very weird moment in the middle of a conversation. I had no clue what they were talking about. Sometimes what happens when we jump into a verse is we don't have a clue what's going on because we don't have a context. So can I give you a context real fast? Three of you were okay with me giving you a con. I'm gonna do it whether you like it or not. Just come, go along with me, it's easier. Here's the context. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We'll go way back. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in the beginning, God created all these things and he said everything was good. He made, he made light, he made dark, he made earth, he made water, he made all of the, the bugs, he made all of the plants, he made all of the birds, he made all of the fish, he made all the animals, he made everything. He said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. Until he came to a dude by himself and he was like, not good. Man by himself, not good. So he, he, he made man 2.0, the improved version, the better version. Come on, he made women, amen? And he said, that's very good. Them together, very good. Dude by himself, not so good. Man and woman together, very good. I prove this every day when I'm by myself that men by themselves, not good. And he created the perfect place for us to live and, and, and he created an amazing space for us, a, a custom built home for us in what was called in the scriptures, the Garden of Eden. And God said, go and enjoy yourselves. Go and, and, and enjoy all the fruit. Go and enjoy all the food that I provided for you. They, they were, by the way, without sin. Therefore, they were naked and unashamed. He said, hey, go have fun. Chase each other around. It's okay. We can talk. See, it's, it's weird when Christians are in church. They don't want to talk about the, the two things that everybody wants, but no one's allowed to talk about in church, sex and money. Like you talk about sex or money in church, people are like, I, just, that's, I don't know what you're talking about. In a church where everyone's got like 19 kids, you're like, I don't know where they come from. I do, the winters are cold here. God bless Montana. The one thing he said was, I put a, I've, I've put a plant in the middle of this garden that produces a fruit. We call this, this fruit the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Notice it's good and evil, not just evil. And he said, listen, go and enjoy everything. Go enjoy everything. But if you eat that, you'll die. And so being the hyper-intelligent species that we are, somehow we decided to spend time by that tree. We were tempted by Satan and lied to him. What, here's what Satan said. Here's, what, here's the lie that Satan told us. This tree will make you like God without having to be with God. You can decide for yourself what's right and what's wrong. What we essentially did by eating of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, by deciding for ourselves what's right and wrong, is we rebelled against God and we rejected him. We rejected him as sovereign Lord and King, the one who is, was willing to take us by the hand and lead us into what is right and what is wrong. We said, no, 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 we're gonna, re we're gonna rebel against that and we're gonna reject him. The Bible simply and, and, and plainly calls this sin. It takes on all kinds of forms in our life, but that's what it is, it's sin. And because of that, we were separated from God and ultimately we did die. We died physically, but we, more importantly and more viably, we died spiritually. We were separated from the source of life. And we died. 
And in that moment, God proves his character because in the moment of our fall, in the moment of our brokenness, in the moment of our greatest failure, when we rejected him, when we rebelled against him, he came looking for us. And he comes down and he walks in the garden and he asks a question. He says, Adam, where are you? How many of you know God didn't not know where Adam was? Adam didn't know where he was. When God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's because you don't know the answer. He's a good teacher, amen? He asks questions. So he comes down and he draws near and he promises to deliver us from the, the, the trouble that we've gotten ourselves in. Here's the way I like to put it. He rejects our rejection. In that way, God is a little bit like my junior high girlfriend. Did he just compare God to his junior? Yeah, and he's gonna keep going. Like, I, 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 just to be, I mean, like, I remember we, we started dating in junior high and, and like, you know, we're hanging out, like dating in junior high is like we held hands in the hallway, right? Like and we're walking down the hallway and it was really cute. And then I was like, this is weird. I don't like this anymore. I think we're gonna break up. And my little girlfriend looked at me and she goes, no, we're not. I technically think I'm still dating her. <laughs> um, like, she just was like, no, I don't accept your breaking up with me. So that, that's like God. We said we wanna reject God and God says, tough, I'm gonna stick with you and I'm gonna make up where you lack. And so he ultimately does this in Jesus. He ultimately makes a way for us in Jesus. And he comes and he does the atoning work in Christ. And, and, and just again, so that we, we define some terms here and we're not, just, we're not just saying things and we know what we're talking about, I wanna define what we mean by the atoning work of Jesus. When we speak of salvation, when we speak of the atoning work of Jesus, what we are speaking of by salvation, we mean all that was accomplished and acquired by Christ through his birth, through his life, through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection, through his ascension, and through his enthronement. We're talking about everything that Jesus accomplished for us. And Paul here in this text directs us to that. He says we don't relate to Jesus just by what we see physically. We understand that there's something supernatural, come on, going on behind the scenes in all of that natural stuff that took place. That's why we celebrate things like Christmas. Come on, somebody. That's why we celebrate Easter, because we understand that this is not just remembering historical events, but it is, it is engaging in the process, engaging in the supernatural reality of what God is doing. And Paul here tells us in this context that, he, that, that through that work that Christ has done, through that salvation, through that redemption, through that atoning, that we are made new. That, that, that a new has come and that, that the old has been removed. The old you in salvation, hear me please, is dead and gone. The old you, the, 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 the word here is passed away. Done away with, thrown away, discarded, gone, done, over, finito, finished. That means we cannot relate to ourselves the way we used to relate to ourselves. You are fundamentally not what you used to be. He says the old you is gone. Everything that you were prior to the moment of your salvation is done and gone and finished. And Paul goes on to say, it's not just the good news that the old is gone. He says, behold, the new has come. If the old was removed, the new was revealed. And now you are something fundamentally different than you used to be. 
You may doubt that new in your life. Listen to me. You may doubt that new in your life. You might even be spending your days piling up evidence to prove that you're not new. But this says you are. And I love you. I'm going to trust this more than I trust you. Even when you try to stack up evidence against this. Paul says we're new. I believe this new permeates every single bit of who we are. And, and so just to, just to give us another quick angle real fast, I wanna just read one other passage real fast. Can we read a little bit more Bible this morning or do we, is it like one and done here and you can't read any, we can keep, we, we, can, we can, anybody cool with more Bible? I promise there will be more inappropriate things said after the Bible, but let's get back to the Bible. Uh, let's go, let's go now. We read some Paul, let's read some Peter. First Pe- Peter, Chapter 2, we're just going to read two verses, verses 9 and 10. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. I think Peter is picking up on the same idea of the old being gone and the new coming, and I want to just be able to weave these two together a little bit and then jump into this, and we'll go real fast because I think God wants to do some stuff after here. So here's what Peter says, 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I wanted to read this because I need to make something really, really, really super clear. This is a family meeting this morning. I'm talking to believers this morning. If you're here and you're just sort of like checking out the church, Christian, God, Jesus thing, awesome, listen in, we'll talk to you here in a minute. But, But I need you to understand all of the blessings and benefits that I'm about to unfold for you do not apply to you if you are outside Jesus. Now I'm gonna ask you just a real blunt question because I love you and I don't have a lot of time. Why the heck are you outside of Jesus? That's just a bad decision. Jesus is better than everything. So in a minute, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to get in Jesus. But right now, I wanna talk to believers here real fast. I wanna tell you this, that that Jesus, when we we are in Christ, as Paul said it, or we, we are the people of God, when we've received mercy, as Peter said it, that it changes everything. No aspect of who you are, no aspect of your life is left untouched by the redemptive work of Jesus. It changes who you are, it changes how you relate to God, it changes how you live your life and the purpose for which you exist on the planet. So three things I wanna talk about real fast, because I'm a preacher, we always do three things, and I don't know why, they just what they tell us we're supposed to do. So three things, three things in the text that I see here, that he gives us a new identity. He gives you a new, if you're a believer, I heard last week y'all baptized like 22 flipping people. No, no, you don't get to cheer, you missed your chance. 22 friggin' people entered into the family of God. All cards on the table. I get excited when people raise their hand and say, like, I want to pick Jesus. But, but I've been doing this long enough that I'm just bitter and jaded enough to know that a lot of people raise their hand and then never do anything with it. But come on, when you get baptized, come on, something supernatural takes place in that moment. The Bible literally says that you die when you're under the water and you come back up alive. We tell people in our church, if you're going to get baptized in Sozo, just know this, we're going to hold you under until we think sin is dead, and then we'll go ahead and lift it back up. Some people, they get held under a little longer, because we're like, "Mm, we know your story. When I baptized my daughter, I said, I'm going to hold you under until you stop kicking. 
Thankfully, her mom was baptizing. She just pulled her up real fast. We have a new identity. We have a new identity in him. What, what Peter calls, we, we become a chosen race. If you want a name tag for this one, you're able to say, I am, come on, redeemed. I'm redeemed. You are not what you once were. That's usually where Christians get excited. I know it's nine o'clock, it's like early service. Y'all are still, the, the Starbucks is kicking in. You are not the worst thing you ever did. You are not the sum total of all of the failures, mistakes, and fallings that you have accumulated over the course of your life. You're also not your greatest achievement. That one gets way less amens. No one's like, people are like, yeah, I could amen. They're like, oh, yeah, I liked it. I'm not my mistake. Wait, hold on. <laughs> you are not, you are not, you are not the weight of the past that you carry, but you are also not the full potential of your future. According to this text, you're something far greater than all of that. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How much did God make Jesus sin? He took it all. That, that same, if, if, if you want to get into the Greek, we can get into the Greek if you want later. But, but listen to me. The, the way the text lays it out, as much as Jesus was made sin for you, you were made righteous in him. You were made righteous in him. Here's the way I like to say it. You were transformed like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. You are fundamentally not what you used to be. You are now capable of things that were impossible before. Do you know that now Jesus commands you, calls you, he commands you to live holy as he is holy. And you are capable of doing that. You go, no, pastor, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner saved by grace for 0.7 nanoseconds the moment you got saved. After that, it is illegal for you to call yourself a sinner saved by grace. You are no longer a sinner, you are a saint. And you go, yeah, but you don't understand, I still sin. I'm not saying you don't sin. What I'm saying is this, as a butterfly, your ability to walk does not diminish your capacity to fly. So your ability to keep doing stupid things doesn't mean that you can't live under the power of the Holy Spirit and walk in holiness. And I'm not talking about holiness like, 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 come on, apostolic Lutheran, wear long denim dresses, have a bun on your head, to kind of holiness. And if you're that, we're, we're cool, we're like, we're good, right? Like, I'm not talking about like homeschool or call your kids and don't let them watch, you know, like Netflix. I'm not, that's cool if that's you, I get it, it's Montana, you all homeschool your kids because you got 40 of them. But... I was homeschooled, shut up. Um, by homeschool, I mean my mom bought homeschool curriculum. I didn't do it and ran away from home. But um, y'all are trying to figure out some stuff, aren't you? I'm like, oh, that's why. We are fundamentally made new. When I talk about holiness, what I mean is that we are to be utterly other like God is utterly other. We're supposed to be something significantly different than we used to be. I love, I, love, I love the way Peter puts this, that we were dead, but now we're alive. Come on, we were blind, but now we can see. We were in darkness, but now we're in light. We were, this is the one that gets me. This is the one that gets me every time. We were enemies of God, but now we're the family of God. How good is God that he takes his enemies and he makes them family? That's the goodness of God, that's who you are. You are now a son of God. 
Okay, all the ladies in the room just looked at me like, no, I'm not. I'm a daughter of the king. Okay, let's have fun with this one. Nowhere in any good translation of the Bible does it call you a daughter of God. Every time, if you, like some of y'all read the, the not literal, trans, I mean the New Living Translation. Um, Bible jokes. Um, this is, this is, this is the, the elect standard version, right? <laughs> ESV. Um, so, so, nowhere in the scriptures, nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere in the Bible does it call you a daughter of God. There's a reason for that, though. Because you see, you have to understand that the culture with, uh, to which this book was written, only men received an inheritance. And God wants you to know, ladies, that you receive an inheritance just like the men in the room. Because in Christ, there's no difference between male or female. So he calls all of us his sons so that you know you are in line, come on somebody, to receive from God. And gentlemen, just so you don't realize that you're not offended either, the Bible is an equal opportunity offender. Because while it calls all of us, come on, the sons of God, it also calls all of us the bride of Christ. And it does that because in that culture, women were, were literally traded into other families. They were exchanged to, to, to lock in power, to lock in influence, to lock in property. And what God wants us to understand, gentlemen, is that you're not going anywhere. He's purchased you. He's brought you into his family. And you don't have to worry about being dismissed or, dis, or, or put away ever again. So here's my message to you, ladies. You are a son of God. Gentlemen, you are the bride of Christ. Ladies, if you struggle to think of yourself as a son of God, know that we struggle far more to think of ourselves as a bride of Christ because nobody wants to see us in a wedding dress. Beards and brides, not so much, right? You are a son of God. You are brought into the family of God. So not only do you have a new identity, but this leads us nicely into the next thing. You have a new family. You have a new family. You are brought into the family of God. You are called to relate to God as father. That means that, as Peter says, you are a royal priesthood. You're able to interact with and, and relate to God. That means you can declare yourself and you can say, I am reconciled. You are invited. No, you are called. No, you are commanded to have intimacy with the father. You are invited to know an intimacy that your soul longs for, to know and be known by the God who created you. Come on, somebody. That's good news. You belong to him. You belong exclusively to him. I, I like the ESV, I really do, but I'm gonna admit, I, I'm, a, I'm a King James or a New King James preacher for many, many years. Uh, and, and I do have to say that I like the way it says it in the New King James and the King James. This says that you're a people for his own possession, but can I get some King James people that know what it used to say? It said you're a peculiar people. I think that's a little more fitting for this house. You're a peculiar people. We, we like to say in our church that we're only as weird as we have to be. But we have to be pretty weird. <laughs> it literally means that you belong exclusively. That word peculiar, here it's translated of his own possession. It literally means one belonging exclusively to another. You belong exclusively, come on, to the Father. You don't belong to other things. You don't belong to your past. You don't belong to your addiction. You don't belong to your failure. You don't even, Jesus says, belong to your biological family. You belong to his family. Can I get some backup from anybody else in here that, that you would rather, some of y'all, now some of y'all have great earthly families and I have a good family and, and most of them uh, know Jesus and, and a few of them love Jesus. Um, I hope none of them are watching. Um, but, but 
But my wife and I have talked, and if anything were to ever happen to us where we had to go be with Jesus before we plan on it and our kids still needed raising, we would actually, in many ways, rather have people in our own church raise our kids than our own blood family because we're more in this family, come on, than we are in that family. Jesus put it this way. If you think that's mean, you think that's weird, Jesus put it this way. Unless you hate your mom and dad, you can't be up with him. You have no part in him, he says. Now, that doesn't mean hate your mom and dad like you did when you were 14 and you were just a punk kid. What it means is if you don't recognize your loyalty to him beyond your loyalty to your own flesh and blood, then you are missing out on the intimacy that we are called to have with him. We are brought into the family of God. And not only are we brought into the family of God, but here's the cool part, you're invited into the family business of God. Meaning not only do you have a new identity, meaning not only do you have a new family, but you have a new reality. You're brought into the family. Do you realize that God in his goodness has left a place for you in his purpose? I'm gonna say that again because y'all don't need. God in his goodness has left a place for you, not your mom, not your dad, not your kids, not Pastor Lance, not, 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 no. You, in the goodness of God, he's left room for you in his purpose. That's amazing to me. That's like, 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 really, really good. That's kind of too good to be true. He's left a place for you that, that he's, he's at work, he's doing things, he's, he's working and he's ruling and he's reigning and yet he made a place for you. Let me put it this way. You are the voice of heaven in the earth. Called to do two things with that voice, proclaim his excellencies and plead with everyone to be reconciled to him called to make Jesus famous, to praise him and fulfill his purpose. You have a new identity. You have a new family. You have a new reality. Let's stand to our feet. Real quick, I told you if you were not in Christ, I was gonna talk to you. I'm, I'm talking to you now. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for not leaving. All of that can be yours. Not for six easy payments. Come on. I'm not, I'm not talking to you about getting religious. I'm, not talk, I'm certainly not talking to you about joining a church. I'm absolutely not talking to you about changing your political affiliation. What I'm talking to you about is finally, once and for all, admitting and abandoning your rejection and rebellion. Finally admitting that everything in your life that you've tried to fill the hole in your heart with has left you more empty than you were before. Finally admitting that you suck at life and Jesus doesn't. And admitting that, but listen, it's not just about admitting it. It's not just about, it's not just about you know, whipping yourself and saying you're a horrible, horrible. No, it's about admitting it and then letting it go, abandoning it. The Bible calls that repentance. And it says if we repent and we believe, that word believe does not mean that you mentally agree with something or you, you say that it's true. Know what that word in the Greek literally means by believe? It means to embrace and entrust. So we admit and abandon our sin and we embrace and we entrust our lives to Jesus. And if you're here this morning or you're watching in whatever you're watching, if you're under the sound of my voice, 
I am pleading with you to admit and abandon your sin and to embrace and entrust your life to Jesus. I don't have magic words for you. I don't have a raise your hand and I'll pray. I I know people do that and that's great, that's fine. But here's what I want you to understand. You've got to do that between you and Jesus. First Timothy tells us there's only one mediator between you and God, that's Jesus. Not me, not this church, not the prayer team. It's you and Jesus. If you don't get with Jesus, I don't care how many prayers you pray, how much snot you blow in an altar, or how much you cry, nothing's gonna change. But if if you can admit and abandon your sin, if you can receive the gift of repentance, and embrace and entrust your life to Jesus. Listen to me, it changes everything. Can I get an amen from anybody that agrees with me this morning? He's better than everything. I didn't say he's better than anything. I said he's better than everything. You could have everything and have Jesus. You got better with Jesus than if you had everything. If that is you though, I do wanna encourage, I'm sure there's a way, grab a card, grab some, let us know. Send a message however you can, email somebody, slap your grandma, I don't know, whatever you gotta do, like just get, get some believers to know because listen, we wanna welcome you into the family. The Bible tells us this, that he takes the, the, those that are isolated and alone and he puts them in the midst of family. We wanna invite you into the family. We wanna welcome you in. We wanna walk with you. We wanna help you follow him. We wanna, we wanna help you learn what it means to belong exclusively to him. And we want to hold you underwater till you stop sinning and then we'll pull you out. Beloved, if you're here, we're going to dismiss, but I just want to give you a few things to think about as you go. You belong exclusively to him, whether you believe it or not, whether you're living it or not. My, my heart, my prayer, my hope for you is that you live that out, that you live out that exclusivity, that you learn to live, come on, not as a sinner saved by grace, but as a son of God. Understanding, let's be clear, he's the son, right? We're just a son. We're not talking about replacing Jesus. His seat at the table isn't up for grabs. We start living like sons of God. You were left on this planet for a purpose. I need everybody in the room right now. I'm gonna close with this. Everybody in the room right now, take a deep breath. Let it out. If you are breathing, you have a purpose because God invests that breath within you and my God does not waste anything. So I don't care what you did last night. If you're still breathing, you still have a purpose. If God was done with you, he would literally suck the air out of your lungs. You'd fall over dead and we'd go, well, Jerry doesn't have a purpose anymore, but you have a purpose. So let's get on mission with Jesus. Amen. Let's embrace his goodness. Find our place in his purpose. I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna hand this over to to Pastor Lance. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this church. I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for the opportunity to share and speak with my brothers and my sisters here. I ask that you would just open our eyes to the new that you have made us, that you would open our eyes to all that you have done for us, that we would no longer live as caterpillars, but we would, come on, live as butterflies, that our, our history of walking would not deny us our future of flying, and that we would learn to live in the boundless new life that you, Jesus, purchased for us. The glory of God for the good of all people. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.